Hi Legacy team, my name is Mushtaq Anjum and I am the pastor of vision for the kingdom in Pakistan. I currently oversee a network of 50 VFK churches. I also have the honor of representing ARC in Pakistan and just in this past January, we had our first ever ARC conference in Pakistan. We had more than 500 different churches in attendance. Leaders came from every province and from every denomination. More than 1,100 people came together to ask God to grow His kingdom in Pakistan. Church leaders coming together to learn and listen and build relationships because we are better together. This was a historic event for Pakistan. Thank you for making history in Pakistan. And who could have imagined what would happen next? Who could have imagined that COVID would hit and impact the world as it did? We were all in shock. We were all fearful of what would happen. Many of the leaders who attended the conference called me and said, so what does this better together means now? But the answer was quickly. Sikos called and said, what can we do to help? Tell us, what do you need? The ARC called and said, we are here for you. And in the following three months, we were able to feed more than 4,000 families. Almost 25,000 people receive food, including 350 families of VFK and ARC leaders. Our churches become truly life-saving churches. Because of Seacoast and other, my team and I were able to travel 6,000 miles to encourage leaders to distribute food and to continue to build relationships. COVID did not slow our work, it expanded our work. Because of your faithfulness, my team and I were able to do the most significant work of my life. And now the war continues. Covert, it's still a big problem. But in Pakistan, we have problems on top of problems. Right now, more than 1 million people have been displaced by severe flooding. Several of our own churches were impacted. But again, who offered to help first? Seacoast Church, of course. And so now we are working to bring safe water, food, house repair, and meet other needs of people impacted by flooding. Thank you, Seacoast Church. Thank you, Legacy Team. The doors of ministries are wide open in Pakistan, and we are doing all we can do to plant and grow churches, build leaders, promote unity and collaboration among churches. We are also meeting real needs. We are building school and we are teaching children. We are training women and helping them to earn a living. We are providing medical care. In short, we are helping the church in Pakistan to become a connected community of light and salt. Thank you for trusting us and investing in God's kingdom in Pakistan. God bless you. Isn't that good? Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, right now from an offsite campus, or maybe you're at home online. We're glad that you guys are along, too. Uh, I'll never forget the day that I met Mushtag, uh, Bishop Mushtag. Uh, he was running from the Taliban who had threatened to kill him, and uh, one of our church members was hosting him uh, here in Mount Pleasant, Jerry uh, Minor, and uh, uh, introduced me on a, on a first Wednesday, and we immediately connected. We made him one of ours, and uh, he's a part of our family, and uh, went back to Pakistan and has done an amazing, amazing work. In fact, uh, most of you know that, uh, you know, we plant churches uh, through the, the branch of our church, the ARC, Association of Related Churches, and, and uh, we planted uh, over 900 churches now, and uh, we, we have conferences every year, church planners conferences, and this year um, we, uh, we had to cancel our conference in March in the UK, 
And then in April, we canceled the conference here. Uh, in July, we canceled the conference in Toronto. In um, September, we canceled the conference on the West Coast. And, uh, and uh, I can't remember which month it was, but we canceled the one in Cape Town, South Africa. All over the world, conferences of, of church planters. The only conference that was live was the one that was scheduled in January in the second largest Muslim city in the world, Karachi, Pakistan. And they had, yeah, they had over 1,200 people at the conference, which is absolutely amazing. And uh, you guys, you guys have been a help all the way along. We've, we've helped uh, Mushtag all the way along in his vision. Um, he talked about the flood. It's because of your generosity. And I, we, we want to say thank you. That's what he did is send us a, a video that said thanks. Um, as most of you are aware, December the 12th and 13th is our legacy weekend. Every year, end of the year, we do a legacy offering, which is kind of above and beyond tithes. I know with Debbie and I, we, we have our tithes automatically uh, online, and at the end of the year, we'll sit down and pray about what is the church doing, what is God saying to us individually about that, and how do we want to participate, and um, we usually choose one or two of the projects that we have as a church and participate in that way. So we're all going to do that together, uh, December 12th and 13th. So just want you to be praying about that and uh, what is God saying to you and then how, how do you respond to that. This weekend is very exciting in a lot of ways. Uh, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Everybody do all right? Thanksgiving? Yeah. I uh, ate a little bit too much and now we start diet, right, till we get to Christmas and then we start all over again in January. But uh, we, uh, uh, we, we have a special guest this Thanksgiving and uh, he won't be new to a lot of you because he is our designated Thanksgiving Sunday after Thanksgiving speaker. He's not a designated turkey. I want you to know that. He's a great guy. Uh, we are so excited. For uh, a number of years, uh, Ernest um, uh, was, was on staff here at our church, Ernest Smith. He, um, as a high schooler, he came to Christ here and uh, then went to college and then uh, uh, married Sarah, which was the, the best thing that he ever did, and, and uh, then uh, came on staff at various positions, and finally was the uh, young adult uh, pastor, and had a, felt a call in his heart uh, to go plant a church south of Denver in Castle Rock, and when he did, I said, Ernest, are you sure? Are you sure? Because you know, I'm from Colorado, and I thought maybe God was calling me to do that, but it was earnest. But really, the reason I was asking him, are you sure, is because Colorado is kind of a graveyard for church planners. We don't do real well there. It's very, very, very difficult for a lot of reasons. And Ernest said, yes, we, we, we want to go. And he talked 22 people from here into going with them. And they have built a great church in Castle Rock, uh, Colorado. Really a, a thriving, thriving church. I've been out there. And uh, we're excited to have them back this weekend. So as our custom is at Seacoast, let's honor, let's honor God's uh, servant this morning. Would you stand and just welcome Ernest as he comes and shares God's word with us? <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Greg. It's such an honor to be here uh, with all of you. Uh, I want to welcome all of the, uh, everybody that's joining at a, another campus, or maybe you're watching online, or maybe you're going to watch it later in the week. Um, so whether you're joining us in your PJs, or you're driving, or you're uh, getting ready to watch some football or something, man, we're grateful to have you as well. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm just so excited to be here. Seacoast is, is our home, and Pastor Greg and Pastor Josh have, uh, have influenced me in such tremendous ways, and we've been watching you guys and how you've responded to so many of the challenges in 2020, uh, and God has just used this church in such powerful ways, not just here in Charleston and at the various campuses, but really all over the world. And so, Seacoast, thank you uh, for all that you do. Uh, as Pastor Greg mentioned, my name is Ernest Smith, and uh, I'm from uh, a place called Castle Rock, uh, which is a suburb of Denver, but we'd never claim Denver unless the Broncos are doing well, uh, which they're not. In fact, today, we don't even have a quarterback, uh, legitimately. It's weird. Um, but we, uh, we, we love where we live, uh, but my mama always said, you can take the boy out of the South, but you can't take the South out of the boy, and that is so true. For me, there's so, still so much South inside of me. I still drink sweet tea, and for those of you who are from a little bit further north, that's not cold tea with Splenda sitting at the bottom of it. You know what I'm saying? That's not, that's not sweet tea. I still say yes, ma'am, and no, sir, which freaks out a lot of people in Colorado. They like are disrespected by it somehow, and I still cheer on my Georgia Bulldogs, because uh, I've got to do that no matter where I am. And yeah, I've just traded one terrible team that, that we faced, the, the Gamecocks, uh, with uh, the Buffaloes of Colorado, another terrible team. Sorry, Irmo and Columbia. I'm sure that was a little too soon for, for you guys. But uh, we love being here. And every time we come back, I'm reminded of some major differences between here and Colorado. Uh, one, of those one of the biggest differences you can see right now are really the restrictions. Uh, Colorado has a lot of restrictions. You can't sit inside of a restaurant. You can't really go shopping anywhere. Uh, churches, right now, we can only have up to 50 people uh, at our church, which uh, if, if at any point you've wondered, man, uh, you've thought about your restrictions being here tight, just know that there's always somebody that's dealing with it in a, in a greater way. And, uh, but we've seen God do some incredible things through our church in this time. And, um, and it's been, you know, honestly, God has been super faithful to us in some big ways. Another big difference between here and Colorado, if you've never been to Colorado, is the weather. A huge difference uh, between here and, and Colorado. Uh, you know, for us, we get these massive storms. And, and I'm talking about, uh, you know, big snowstorms, not like snowstorms you have here in Charleston, where with the threat of snow, everything shuts down. I'm talking about like real snowstorms. In fact, I've probably been asked about a dozen times since we've gotten here, hey, have you guys had any snow yet? And we had about 10 inches the second week of September. So yes, we have had a lot of snow already. And the storms out there can be crazy. We watched it one time go from four to 72 degrees. Four degrees to 72 degrees in 24 hours. That's a massive shift. We've seen it dump 28 inches of snow in just a few hours. Crazy, crazy storms. Have you ever been in a weird, crazy storm before? Like I remember I was 13 years old and I was living in Atlanta, Georgia, and the, the, the storm of 93 hit us. It was called the storm of the century, and for good reason, because we got a whopping, ready for it, four inches of snow. But it wasn't really the snow that was the problem. It was the hurricane force winds, and uh, one day it was beautiful and sunny, and two days later, uh, the, the winds had destroyed a lot. Houses were being destroyed, cars were being destroyed, and uh, we had lost all power. And I remember sitting in our house and, you know, there are candles all around us and the fire's going. And I remember thinking this would be so awesome if it happened on a school day, but it didn't. It was on a weekend and we weren't expecting it. You know, we weren't prepared for it. And after the storm went, there was a lot to clean up. And isn't that how storms are in our lives? Most storms that happen in our lives, you're, you don't expect them. You're not prepared for them. 
And when they pass, there's usually a lot to clean up. I feel like this has been 2020 for most of us. I mean, for most of us, we didn't expect to, to be in the situation that we're in. For most of us, we, we entered 2020 probably pretty hopeful. We're, maybe for some of us, we're excited to continue doing some of the things that we were doing and where God was leading us and in our relationships and all of that. For some of us, maybe we we're hoping for kind of a fresh start, something new to happen in our lives. And so for most of us entering this year, back in January, we were pretty hopeful. And then March hit and COVID and shutdowns, people losing businesses, relationships being hurt. And it's just been one, one big storm. In fact, to make sure that I'm at the right place today, uh, by show of hands, even those of you at, at your campus or if you're online, you could do a little raise hand emoji or type in amen. How many of you would say that 2020 has negatively impacted you in some way? Anybody? Okay. Most of us. It's been one big storm. For some of us, the storm maybe has been financial. Maybe you've lost a business or maybe you've lost significant income over the last few months. Maybe for some of us, that storm has been within our health. You've just been battling one storm after another within your health. I have a prayer wall in my house, and most of the names up on that prayer wall for health reasons have been praying for them, and some of them have recovered, whether it's from COVID or something else, and some of them have passed away, and every name has a story, and every story impacts others. Maybe that's been your storm. Maybe your storm has been within relationships. Every week right, right now within our church, we're meeting with people who are, um, are contemplating or walking through a divorce. We're wor working with parents who are struggling with their kids, not knowing how to, how to adjust within the school stuff and you know, all, the, uh, all the, the mess that's going on there, uh, or maybe with mental health. Or We've had a lot of people that, man, they've just lost friends this year. Not to death, but just because of separation, because of the polarization of our society right now, the, because of all the politics and all of that. People, people that were childhood friends have now left one another because they sit on different sides of, of different subjects. And I feel like this year, for most of us, it's been one storm after another or one really, really long storm. So what do you do when you're in a storm? I mean, how do you respond? Because here's what I know to be true. If you're not currently in a storm or you're not currently coming out of one, you're about to go in one. That's just kind of the cycle of life. I know that's not super hopeful. I know that's not going to bring joy to your life today, but it's the reality. And if you're not prepared for storms, your life will be radically impacted. And so what do we do when we're in the midst of a storm? Well, let's look at a guy in the Bible who went through one of the greatest storms uh, that we see anybody face and the Bible, and the story is found in Acts 27. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. It'll also be up on the screen. And let me set up the story for you. Acts is really the, the history of the early church. And Jesus at this point, he's already come. He's died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And now he's ascended into heaven. And he's left the gospel. He's left the good news. He's left, left the transformation of the world into our hands, into the hands of the church. And so this is the story about the early church. And in Acts 21, we see this guy named Paul. Uh, he's one of the greatest missionaries, church planners. He wrote a large portion of the New Testament. Paul's on the scene, and, and uh, we see him wanting to go to Jerusalem, which is really the, the epicenter of the church and the epicenter of Judaism as well. We see Paul wanting to go to Jerusalem to tell the Christian leaders, hey, man, this is what God's doing all over the world. 
But this isn't any normal trip to Jerusalem. You see, Paul used to be incredibly influential to the Jewish people, and he was one of the top leaders in his day. So he knows if he goes back to Jerusalem, there's a good chance the Jewish leaders who hate him because he's preaching about Christ, that they're going to arrest him and probably kill him. Well, he arrives into Jerusalem. They do surround them, surround him. They try to kill him. The Roman authorities step in. They save him, but they're not sure what to do with Paul. They're not sure why these Jewish people are upset, and they don't want to upset the Jewish people. And so they arrest Paul for his own safety and because they're just confused. Well, Paul sits in prison for two years, going before different Roman authorities, and they're not sure what to do with him. So eventually, Paul, being a Roman citizen, he says, I appeal to Caesar. Let my case be heard before Caesar. So they put him on a boat in autumn of, of 59 AD, heading toward Rome. Now, the typical, the typical route, they would set off for Caesarea, and I think we, we have kind of a map to show you a, a little example of where they're going to be heading. They head north toward the southern coast of modern-day Turkey, and then they would, they would have normally gone north of Crete and onward to Sicily. But unfortunately, there's a storm that arises, so they have to go to the southern tip of, of Crete. And there, Paul says, hey, guys, we need to, to anchor here. We need to stop here, harbor here for the winter, because it's going to get real bad. Well, the captain says, man, I've got places to go. We've got things to do, so we, we can't do that. So they leave port. They're caught in a terrible storm called a northeastern wind. And at that point, they're just... They're just guided by the sea. They don't have control of their ship at this point. And so after three days, they begin jettisoning the cargo. They begin throwing the tackle overboard and just trying to, to free up the ship from any weight so that maybe, maybe they can gain control. You ever been there before? Well, you're trying to do just do anything, anything to just gain a little bit of control of my life. And so in the midst of this, in the midst of these three days where they're just throwing everything overboard, trying to, trying to figure out how to gain control of their ship, that Luke writes these words, Acts 27, verse 20, says this, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. You've been here before, right? You've been in this place where things seem so dark, where neither sun nor moon nor stars were shining. There was no light. There seemed to be no hope at all that and maybe you've just given up hope. I think back to March of this year, and as a church, man, we were doing so well. God was, was doing some crazy things, and we were about to add a third service. We had just announced that to a church. Uh, we were about to sign on, on some property for a future building, and God was just moving in some powerful ways, and then March hit. But within our family, things were going really, really well. We had just celebrated my daughter's eighth birthday. I had just taken her to her first NBA game, and she was like on the jumbotron like 20 times. I mean, she loved it. It was incredible, and then... COVID hit, and the shutdowns, and the businesses, and the deaths, and the fear, everything got dark, and it felt like we had lost all hope. I mean, sure, at the beginning, right, we said, we're in this together. We're good. We're going to get through this together, and as time has gone on, we have now become more me-centric, and more about saving me and less about helping you. And it just feels like things are really, really dark where neither sun nor stars have shined for many days. 
So what do you do? Let me give you one storm survival strategy. One way to overcome storms when you're in the midst of the darkness and when you feel like, man, all hope has been lost. The storm survival strategy is this. Stay on the ship. Stay on the ship. Look at the story. Verse 27 says, when the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. Can you imagine this? They're 14 days just drifting. That's 457 miles that they have gone now with no control over the boat, with, with no sun shining, no stars shining, no light to guide them at all. They have no control over their situation. They're just drifting. And so it says the sailors, they took these fathoms and they found that they were 120 feet deep. And then 30 minutes later, they took an, another sounding and they found that they were 90 feet deep. So they know that they're heading towards shore, which is not a good thing. It sounds good, but it's not good when you can't control your boat. And this is what it says, verse 29, at this rate, they were afraid. We would be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. So at this point, they don't know what to do. They know they're coming up to land. They're, they know there's probably some rocks ahead of them. And if they hit those rocks, they're all done. So they don't know what to do at this, at this point. So they put four anchors out the stern of the ship, and they just are hoping to point their bow somewhere this way. If we could just do that, maybe we'll survive. And then it says, then they all just prayed. Now, there's a lot of individuals on, on this boat. There's a few hundred and they're all praying to their God, and it's only Paul and it's only Luke's God that ends up answering, but they're, they don't know what else to do. We put down the anchors, we pointed our boat in the right direction, but now we've just got to pray because all hope is lost. Here's what they were doing, and here's what we have to do in the midst of a storm. Don't pretend to be okay when you're not okay. Like it would have been real easy for them to say, no, no, guys, we'll keep going. We'll just, we'll figure this thing out. We're okay. This isn't that bad. But when you pretend to be okay, when you're not okay, you'll never find the healing that you need. When you tend to be okay, pretend to be okay, when you're not okay, you'll never find the, the relational reconciliation that you need. You'll never find God taking you to your destination when you just act like everything is okay. How's it going? Man, I'm good. God has blessed me. I'm fine. I'm not stressed at all. How's your finances? Oh, man, I'm rich. And highly favored, like God has just blessed me when all while, like the bills are piling up and you feel the stress underneath and you're just not willing to tell anybody because to tell somebody you would have to be vulnerable. There's no way to get to your destination without admitting where you currently are. I mean, like in any recovery program, this is the first step that they tell you to take that the first step you have to do is admit where you currently are. Say, man, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not okay right now. I'm not in a good place right now. And this is where a lot of us are currently in, in life. A lot of us are not okay, and are we willing to admit that? I read an article this morning about how in Japan there have been more suicide deaths in one month than corona deaths the entire time of the pandemic. My heart broke. And we see it right here. In our own country, how many people are struggling? And we're just trying to push through. We're just trying, man, if I could just make it to land. 
we're pretending to be okay when we're not okay. There's too many of us drifting in a known or maybe an unknown storm right now, pretending like everything is okay, and it's not. My wife and I, Sarah, we've, we've been married. It'll be uh, 18 years uh, this, this December, and Man, we've had the perfect marriage. We've had absolutely no storms. In fact, uh, everything is like, I've never done anything wrong in our marriage. I've never left the toilet seat up. Uh, I, I Actually, she, we go to bed at night and I hear her praising God for me out loud. Like, Lord, thank you for my husband. I'm like, praise the Lord. I'm doing some good things. No. We have struggled, just like so many of you, we have been in storm after storm in our lives. We have struggled so many times. I remember about four years in, we were, we were driving, and, uh, and she turned and looked at me, and she said, Ernest, I feel like we're roommates. We're just roommates right now. I thought, I've had roommates before. We stayed up all night. We ate whatever we wanted. We didn't clean the dishes. This is awesome. Babe, this is going way better than I ever thought it would go. She didn't talk to me for 20 minutes. Because I'm a man, it took me about to minute 19 to figure out being roommates wasn't a good thing. And she had to admit for us that we weren't okay. And then I had to admit that we, man, it was hard. It was hard hearing the woman of your dreams saying, hey, we're just roommates right now. Like, like this, this life that we had dreamed about, it's not happening. That was hard to hear, but the only way to find healing in our marriage, the only way to get healthy in our marriage, the only way for us to be healthy as individuals was to go, hey, hey, hold on, let's wave this white flag. We're not okay. We're not okay. I needed to hear it. When you're in a storm and you're not willing to admit that you're not okay, you'll never get to your destination. What you'll do is you'll just abandon ship. You'll just leave what is known and what you have loved, and what you've tried to build because you're not willing to be vulnerable because we're not willing to say, hey, I'm just, and I'm not, I'm not in a good space right now. So we have to be willing to admit that we're not okay. Look at verse 30. It says, and as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes on the ship's boat and let it go. Now there's 276 people on this ship. The only people who know what they're doing are the sailors. And so they say, hey guys, we're gonna lower the, the lifeboats so that we can go set the anchors. Paul knows that they're lying. That they're gonna lower the lifeboats and get out of here. And leave everybody else to die. And Paul says, hey, here's the deal. If they do that, we're all going to die. Paul tells the, the guy in charge, you need to cut the rope. But hold on, man. The, the, these lifeboats are like our backup plan. Like if something else begins to happen, this is like our next phase. This is plan B. And Paul says, get rid of plan B. Get rid of your backup plan. Like we got to trust that God is in this with us right now. We've got to trust that God is faithful. We got to trust that God is going to take us to our destination, that, that the God of the universe, the same God who calmed the winds, the same God who calmed the seas, the same God who walked on water is the same God sitting in this boat with us right now. And he'll get us to our destination, but it's not if we try to take it into our own hands. He's not going to be there with us and walk with us and get us to our destination if we rob him of his authority and his power and we say, I can do this on my own. 
you got to cut the backup plan. For some of us, we've, we accepted Christ this year. And man, what, a, what an incredible decision that you made. I mean, the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Christ to come into your life and to give your life over to him. But man, it's been hard. Maybe you found yourself this year wondering, man, why did I make this decision? Like things have just gotten harder. And the reality is when you accept Christ, you have an enemy of your soul. His name is Satan, and he's going to do everything he can to create this darkness in your life. He's going to do everything he can to get you to abandon ship, but stay on the ship. Continue to pursue your faith. Continue to pursue God, even in the midst of the storm when you're going, God, where are you? Continue to pursue after him. Stay on the ship. Maybe for some of us, it's in our marriage, and you know it would be a lot easier to just cut the ropes. For Sarah and I, it would have been a lot easier for us to say, especially at that time, the story I just told, we, we didn't have kids. Could have said, oh, man, it's just been way harder financially. This isn't the, the life we thought that we were getting into. Let's just cut our losses and move on. Stay on the ship. Stay on the ship. You look at these, at these soldiers you look at the centurion, you look at these slaves, and they were dependent on those lifeboats being cut to be freed and to be saved ultimately. What lifeboat are you holding on to that God's saying, you got to just trust me? You got to stay on the ship. What storm are you going through? Maybe you're thinking about quitting school. Maybe you're thinking about quitting this job. Maybe, maybe you're thinking about quitting your church, and God's saying, stay on the ship. And why do you stay on the ship? Because of this truth. And I want to encourage you to write this down or take a picture of this truth because this is something you're going to need to be reminded of many times in your life. I promise you this. And it's this. Don't change in the dark what God told you in the light. Don't change in the dark what God told you in the light. What did God tell you when everything was going well? What did God say to you when everything was great, when the sun's shining and everything seems to be flourishing in your life? What did God tell you in that moment? Whatever he told you in that moment, that when things get dark, don't change it. Don't change what God told you in the light. Don't change that just because things got dark, just because things are hard, just because things are challenging right now. What did God tell you prior to the storm? I mean, God says to all of us that we need community, that, that he wired us for community. First community with him and then community with others, that you need the church. And one of the greatest strategies the enemy has done during this time is to separate people from their church. For those of you who are watching online and you, man, you crave to be in person, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in watching, even if it's not the ideal scenario. But so many people have just disengaged. Or people have, uh, we've watched people in our church that, that have left because they didn't like how, what somebody posted on social media or what somebody decided to do to, to support this group over here, or these people over here because of that, and we're leaving the church. But the church is the hope of the world. May God put it into our hands to change and transform the world around us. The power of Christ. Stay on the ship. And what does God say about marriage? I mean, you read all throughout Scripture. Man, marriage is hard. It's not easy. It's not, you know, the, the idea before you get married is, I'm going to wake up every day next to my best friend, and then you get married, and seven years in, you're like, I hate you. It's hard. 
It's hard. But God promises to walk with you in the midst of it, in the midst of that relationship and all others. And others may abandon ship. But please don't. Please don't give up. I love what Jesus said to, to Thomas right after the resurrection. Thomas was having some doubts. Man, is, Jesus, is this really you, Jesus? And he says, I need you to believe. Like, stop your disbelief and believe. And maybe for some of us, we're, that's where we are in our faith right now. We're, we've just stopped believing that God is real or stop believing that God is here or stop believing that God is faithful. We think about the darkness that, we in, that we're in and we're like, man, God, where are you? Have you had that thought this year? God, where are you? What are you doing? Because whatever it is, I'm not liking it. Are you really still faithful? Are you still good? Do you still love me? God is right there. He was on that ship with Paul and Luke and all the others. And he's right here in the midst of our storm with us. Stay on the ship. Never change in the dark what God told you in the light. If he was with you in the light, he'll be with you in the dark. And he'll walk with you no matter what season you're going through right now. You might have to put some effort in. I mean, look at, look at these guys. They're throwing the tackle over. They're doing anything. They're putting out anchors. They're doing anything they can to save themselves. And then they submit themselves to God. As you submit yourself to God, what, what else do you need to do? Is God telling you maybe in your, your relationships, maybe you need some counseling or maybe within mental health right now, maybe you need to make some different decisions than what you're making or maybe within the church world, maybe God is saying, hey, it is time to actually go back and be in the building or it's time to engage in a community group, or it's time to give. But just know that when you do, you have an enemy, he's gonna attack you, and it's gonna feel dark and all of that, but hold on to what God told you in the light. If you hold on to that, you'll always get to the destination he has for you. You'll find the healing and the health that you long for in life. And you'll discover that God hasn't abandoned you, but he's right beside you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you for your word. I thank you so much, God, for this story found in scripture, God, that we can see storms of life that the real men and women walk through. And God, learn how to process that in our lives and what we're to do. And Father, first, I want to recognize there's, there's probably many of us online or at another campus or right here in this room. If we're being real honest, man, we've we feel distant from you. Maybe for some of us, we're not even sure why we're here. A family member brought us. A friend brought us. We feel like our relationship with you is non-existent right now. Maybe we've pulled back because of the pain of this year or because of the confusion or because of the loneliness and we've pulled back. But God, today, I believe you're saying, come home. Come home. So if that's you, if you'd say, man, walking into this place, Ernest, I, I felt distant from God. I felt far from him. But today I want to receive Christ or I want to recommit my life to Christ. Whether you're watching at another campus or watching right here, if you're at home, 
action step as well. If that's you, you say, today, man, I want to recommit my life. I want to, I want to come home. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to raise a hand. I want to know who to pray for. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you, Father, for each one of these individuals. Thank you, God, that you know their story. You know where they're at in their relationship with you, God, that you know the struggles that this year have been for so many of us. But yet, Father, I thank you that you are right here in the midst. I thank you that we could trust you, that you are good and that you are faithful. You've always proven yourself to be that even in the midst of the darkest of times. Father, I pray you would tell us what to do now. Father, for those of us who are in a storm relationally, tell us what our next step is. Father, for those who are in a storm financially, what is our next step? For those of us who are in a storm, God, within our health or some other area, God, what are we to do next? Tell us that action step, Father, that we could take today. And that God, ultimately, let us just trust in you. In Jesus' name.